to Campfire Fireside Chats. This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. This week, we welcome a dear friend back to the podcast, artist extraordinaire Jonathan Dodd. We talk about 90s comic books, discovering art as a child, and the nature of inspiration. We dive into what makes Bigfoot Bigfoot, why disclosure has been so boring, and the importance of recognizing the perspective of experiencers. John is a compassionate and wildly creative force in our scene, Getting the chance to pick his brain has always been, and always will be, an absolute pleasure. Find the links in the episode description and support this guy in everything he does, seriously. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this fireside chat with Jonathan Dodd. All right, Jonathan Dodd. Um, First off, I just want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Dude, thanks for having me. Always glad to be here. Yeah, psyched. It's been a while since you've been on. It has been a while. I can't remember when it was. Was it two years ago or a year ago? Time doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, yeah. Time's not real. (laughs) No, it had to be probably a year and a half ago you were on. Which is crazy. That fake time, it really stacks up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it does. But yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be cool. I'm stoked to talk to you yeah i'm i'm excited to get caught up yeah definitely so what have you been up to lately like what what projects are you are you in right now let's see um well well that you can talk about at least yeah that's that's kind of the hard (laughs) part it was like because i i got things going on um you know professionally but um i can't really say too much about that kind of stuff um, I can say that um, I'll be working on a documentary soon. Um, I will also be working on a graphic novel soon. Um, and let's see, a couple other, a couple other like smaller commission works that I'm pretty stoked about. Yeah. Um, sorry to be so vague. This is yeah. No, it's okay. Of, um, I have though been. I can talk about this kind of stuff because it's just my personal work. Yeah. Um, I have been uh, painting a lot more, just you know, oh. like with the phys- physical medium painting, yeah. um, busting out the canvases and uh, the acrylic paints and stuff like that, and really been like planning stuff. Yeah, I love to hear that. I think the the last time we talked on the show, you had kind of that was like on the back burner. And you were like really focused on yeah. the digital stuff, and you, you always talked about how like you eventually wanted to get back to it. So I'm I'm super hyped that you have it. It always kind of like circles around, you know. Sometimes it takes a, a year, a year and a half, but it always kind of circles back around where I need to like you know physically touch, you know, medium. <laughs> yeah, like pull the paints out and then just start you know going crazy, and it's it's been actually a little bit frustrating um just because like getting back into it yeah um and trying to find 
you know, trying to find that groove because while working on the iPad is pretty similar, like the, the techniques and stuff are pretty similar. Um, you can't, you can't undo (laughs) for the most part, you know, when you're putting paint to canvas. Um, I mean, mean, there's definitely techniques that you can use to like, um, fix mistakes and stuff like that. But I mean, as far as putting the paint down, you basically can't take it off. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I've, I've been kind of like trying to find my way back into that. Um, like there was a point, you know, like four or five years ago where I had my whole like studio set up and I just had like canvases everywhere. You know, paint was out all the time and I yeah. could just walk up there, grab, you know, a paintbrush and then just start going. Yeah. My situation right now is I have a very small house, um, very tiny computer slash office slash studio slash laundry room <laughs> that, <Yeah. laughs> I'm, that I'm trying to work in. And so I'm like having to pull stuff out every single time. So it, it's changed yeah. a little bit, but I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm finding my groove now. Um, I've started another painting. I think I just posted um, the Mothman painting that I did of the Scarberry Millet um, yeah. incident with the, you know, the Chevy and yeah. I'd have the Mothman flying over top of it. Um, I just posted that one. So I just finished that one up and that one actually took me a few weeks to complete because I was still just trying to find that groove. Like, yeah. I, like I was saying, <laughs> but yeah, it's gorgeous. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with the way it turned out. And, um, now I got a, I have a men in black one that I'm painting right now. That's exciting. Um, so yeah, I'll hopefully you know, finish that was... one up here in the next couple of weeks. It was the the digital version of those Mothman panels that you did a while ago. Mm-hmm. That that was the first time I was like, "This dude needs to be working on graphic novels and comic books. Like, they're beautiful." I dude. like ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to do graphic novels and comic books. So I'm yeah, I'm it's... hyped that you're doing it. You're yeah, like you yeah, mentioned, and, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't I can't talk too much yeah. about it, um, but. Um, it's a project that my brother and I have, have sort of come together on and, um, he's writer artist. He's, he's writing respectively. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, as that, as that kind of develops, um, we, we got a pretty cool story going. Um, and then I've, I've got some concepts and stuff going as well. So it's very, very early. I don't really want to share too much about it, but, um, as that develops, I'll definitely start pushing stuff out and starting to Excellent. try to get some hype going. Yeah, it's gonna I'm be excited cool. for that. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. I'm really Your style, I think, lends itself to that medium perfectly. I mean, that's how I learned is, yeah, you know, sitting there with, with comics, you know, and just like drawing Captain America, you know, I mean, that that's yep. how I started stuff. So, I mean, it, that's how I kind of think about compositions yeah. to begin with. So, yeah, I mean... It's kind of it's kind of weird that I haven't done one yet. Yeah, I feel like agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that that you haven't like. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming since you haven't done one, but like, I'm surprised you don't get offers all the time to do to do work on comic books. I'm free. Anybody wants me? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. For sure. and, you know, reach out. I'd love to do a comic book. Graphic dude, novel. We may- we may be hitting you up at some point in the future because uh, we, yeah, we have some stuff in the works too on the writing side. Oh, so, sick! Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I can't imagine somebody somebody better for it. Um, the first drawing I ever did that I was like proud of 
was was a panel from an Aquaman comic. Nice. And like it was the era where he had like the hook hand. You know, <laughs> yeah, the, and the, like the, the beard and the yeah. like the long hair. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it, I the like uh, scale half armor. You know, yeah. that only covered one arm and one side of his chest. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely I think Superman had a mullet back then too. Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. That was yeah the era of the death of Superman, right? Like he died yep. with a mullet. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I had like a I had like a really cool like variant uh comic book cover of that. I think it was like it had like holographic shit all over yep. it and I was like, yeah. man, this, this is dope. <laughs> of Doomsday like breaking his back over his knee. Yeah. 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 Or wait, I had I think the cover was him trapped in the phone booth. Right? But like the was big okay. I think, I think I so. Think maybe I'm thinking of the splash page. I can't remember. Yeah. The, I was gonna say the splash yeah, page is him getting because broken when you said, over his yeah, when you when you said he's getting broken, I was like, yeah, that that sounds like what I'm envisioning. Yeah, I need to find that. I, have, I probably have it somewhere at my parents' house. All those like '90s comics are great. I know, dude. I I love. I always forget his name, but the guy that was doing X Men in the '90s, mm-hmm. the dude who's like famous now for giving every character like a hundred pouches. And like oh, making up yeah, muscle shoot. groups that don't Dude, actually exist. I just exist. watched a YouTube video about him and how he and like um, McFarlane like had a falling out, falling yeah. out like over Spawn and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that was a, damn it! I always forget his name. But he like, did that that awful Captain America where he's like standing yes. to the side and he's got these huge tits. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. But he like he got famous doing X Men and like. He was part of the X Men expansion where they brought out like mm-hmm. X Factor and X Force and all those right. other side yeah. teams. And, um, you know, there are the, all those epic pictures of Cable with like literally 75 pouches all over his body. <laughs> what is like, he keeping there? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Weapons. Um, yeah, weapons. You can assume. But like that, that era of, of comic book. I think just captured my imagination for whatever reason. Like that was, Definitely. I mean, I think I was just at the age when that's yeah, what was I going mean, that, on. That, when that was I, when, that was when we were like, we were creating things. Like we started yeah. creating things. Exactly. Um, I can, yeah, I can definitely remember having like a cable comic book or like an X-Men comic book and, you know, drawing the pouches. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm guilty. Same. I drew the pouches. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I drew the extra bicep muscle that doesn't actually exactly. exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the the way he drew the female characters was just fucking wild. Like yeah. yeah. Like stick figures with gigantic tits and <laughs> like no clothes on ever. Yeah. There's no way any th- of those costumes would have actually worked or held. Yeah, no way. Not on a real person. In. Yeah. There's um there's this famous set of of top X-Men cards where they're like at a beach party. <laughs> okay, it's I don't like, think I've seen this. Yeah. It's like X-Men at the beach. And there are all these like it was just an excuse for him to draw like Psylocke and Rogue and like tiny bikinis and shit. You know, even with <laughs> less clothes than usual. Yeah. But I, I always remember there's the Wolverine card from that. He's like he has like hot dogs stuck on his that actually like does just, sound familiar so maybe i do was there yeah. one where like colossus is like holding like women up over his head or yes. something 
Yeah. Okay. I know. Okay. Hands. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah those are fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I also had the, um, the Hildebrandt brothers, um, cards. He, they did like all the Marvel characters and we had like all those, all those cards and I would draw from them constantly. Was that those the like fantastic? They're like, I'm trying really, to remember who really uh, well painted. Yeah. Like, I was going to say oil paintings basically yep. of, you know, superheroes and they're yep. just fantastic. Really well did done. It. Very colorful. I think they had vibrant. a, I think they had a saber tooth. Oh yeah. That like just blew my, it has like the moon behind him real big. Mm-hmm. And that, like, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. I know exactly oh, what you're talking about. I can oh, see it in my head. Grew it's, up it's, just it's having all the same things. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it, they definitely made an impression on me and I can yeah. tell they made an impression on you too. So absolutely. We're, we're talking about them here. What? 25 30 years later yeah yeah 30 years later that's wild um was your family into comics i think we've talked about this oh yeah your dad my was dad, into comics, my dad right? yeah my dad was a huge comic dude um yeah mine too but he was like um silver age marvel mm-hmm. um like he had like all the you know the jack kirby's and you know that kind yep. of stuff um and that's that's basically who like i grew up drawing from is jack kirby Kirby. i mean as a kid i didn't know that you know i was just drawing you know captain america with his shield out you know force perspective um but yeah i mean years later you're like oh man this dude is just he's awesome (laughs) he's he was awesome he's the dude yeah he was the a master of space you know yeah like yeah you just when you opened like when you opened one of his comics you just were in that world you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like it it sucked you in and so much of that has to do with his art style his approach to like building those panels yeah i I actually just watched a a youtube video um about somebody that they hired to ink him like ink his pencils yeah and they were like this guy destroyed a lot of kirby artwork because they were they were you know putting them side by side look at these pencils versus what this (laughs) dude did you know with the inks um, like he would like simplify stuff. He would like take yeah. people, like whole people out of scenes because he didn't feel like he wanted to draw them. Like, well, he was on, you know, he was on a deadline though. Like he yeah. had to get shit done. But sure. like from that perspective of, you know, Kirby being, you know, an, a master and an artist, the king, you know, you don't, yep. you don't take his, his characters out. For sure. You know? So I, I mean, that but if we're, was, if we're talking like the sixties and seventies, right. Even the eighties. Yeah, comic books. Comic books weren't really seen like they are today, right? Like they were throwaway, right? Like, yeah, they they weren't they weren't quote unquote art. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like the the people that like were really good at creating comic books were looking at it like that. Yeah, but absolutely, the world just kind of had to catch up with it. Yeah, um, or with them. To the consumer, and, yeah. you just picked it up off the rack and you read it and you threw it in the trash when you were done, like buying a magazine. You know what right. I mean? And a lot of the artists or um, the people that worked on the comics, like the inkers and stuff like that, mm. um, they were like day players kind of yeah. people. I mean, you would get your pages, you would ink them, and you would send them back out on your deadline. If you didn't get it on your deadline, then you didn't get hired the next day. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the way it was. Yeah. It, was a, it was a job. It wasn't art. It was a job. Yeah, for sure. Which is wild that like you see these like masterminds right like these brilliant people the creators 
are oftentimes these like creative virtuosos, right? Like Jack Kirby. But mm-hmm. like in order to get any version of his vision out to the world, you have to have that infrastructure that requires people right. like, you know, that see it as a job, right? Yep. And that's like the eternal fight back and forth between like artistic and cr- and productive. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think the no, last I time you that. were on, we talked about how like our dads would have been best friends. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. like my dad, just like yours had like huge white boxes filled with comic books and yep. all that. Yeah. Yeah. When my dad died, I got the lion's share of his comic books came to me and I going through them I eventually found my phalanx saga X-Men comic books and like I remember being so in love with that series when it came out like it lasted like it was like a six month long event where like every issue was and it had this these like the covers had these like strips of hologram like holographic classic 90s comics yeah (laughs) yeah and like they had the big crazy like cut out fold open and you like the fold you fold the cover open and it's like Mm -hmm. one page one one image across the front and back cover and like yeah as i was obsessed with those when i was a kid so it was really cool running into those again just kind of the the gimmicks that they kind of did back then like we think of them kind of gimmicky but like we're th- we're looking back on them right now like so fondly. Did um did yeah. you ever see um Alex Ross's uh Marvels? There was they had there were like um these books. He, I mean Alex Ross does these amazing paintings of of superheroes, but the the cover was like clear. So it had it was like a clear cover that had the Marvels, you know, written across the top of it, but you could see through it and then you open it up to this like giant painting. And yeah. it was just like it was beautiful. I, I just I can remember like pouring over those comics as a kid, just being like, "How did they, how did they do this? This yeah. is incredible." So yeah, just yeah. looking back on that kind of stuff is just fantastic. And like, really, in this age, we're as creators, we're just trying to figure out our version of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. something that that draws people in. It, and they they nailed it. Like people bought yeah. those comics, they loved those comics. Mm-hmm. So evidently, we're still talking yeah, about them. <laughs> exactly. I remember, like like you were describing with the Marvels, there was um one of the Wolverine. I think it was a issue one hundred or something of Wolverine. There was the clear pages that showed like his anatomy, each layer of his anatomy. Yeah, would drop, I that. You could drop it down on top and see the next. You can see like the adamantium skeleton, and then like yeah. you drop like the nervous system, and yeah, that yes. yeah, I I can definitely remember doing that, like flipping through it. It reminded me of like the old encyclopedias. Oh um, yeah, and they definitely ganked that idea from the encyclopedia. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I mean that was that's just it's just genius. It's great marketing, and I I loved it. I just ate yeah. it up as a kid. Yeah, that that stuff. That's the stuff I was. I mean, that's what made me want to want to draw, right? Yeah. Want to create in general. That's like yeah. the first thing that got my my creativity going. So you know, forever oh, yeah. thankful for that stuff. Definitely. But um, another thing that I drew constantly growing up was 
Do you remember the animated Street Fighter movie? Animated Street Fighter movie. It was um, like... When did it come out? I'm trying to think. Oh, it had to be... Because I'm pretty sure I, I'm envisioning it right now, but I'm, I don't think I ever saw it. It had to be late 90s. Late 90s. Yeah. You're, you're big late. into drawing Street Fighter? Yes. So, like, what I would do was we had, like, you know, the old TVs had picture in a picture, mm-hmm. right? And you could freeze the yeah. picture in a, in a picture. So, like, I would freeze random shots and basically just get have this screen grab from the movie. And I would just sit and draw whatever was in that panel. Nice. Like, draw it just like a comic book panel while I'm watching, continue watching the movie. And finish it, and as soon as I finished it, I would unfreeze it and grab another one. And yep. just draw whatever was in the panel. And I would watch that movie over and over and over again, just drawing frozen screen grabs from the movie. I love that. I mean I I would definitely do that too, but I would I would do like I would just pause it and you know put like I, I could put it up like a, a large piece of paper like up on the, the TV and like get the actual shape of it and then i like i mean you couldn't do that for too long because you couldn't get any detail so you could like get like the the shape and stuff like that and like i mean it's it's a study it's a study in you know proportions and stuff like that so i mean it's it's definitely um those were those were uh pivotal moments in our childhood yeah that brought us to where we are i think that's i remember like the the drama of elementary and middle school if like someone got accused of tracing <laughs> a picture like, that was always the the death knell for a weird art kid in middle yeah. school was someone yeah. accused you of tracing a picture i um, i actually i don't i don't have any problem with it i mean it, it helps sometimes exactly. i mean you have to you have to be able to you know copy sometimes you need something to be perfect and you just can't yeah. get it that way unless you unless you trace it so i mean it's yeah. a tool as long as yeah. you're not like just straight up copying shit you know yeah you gotta add sure. your own flair to it but i mean yeah also like two of my kids are super into drawing and painting mm-hmm. and when they first started i like encouraged them to to trace stuff right like mm-hmm. just just to get used to your pencil making those motions. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, and if you can trace something and it actually looks good, because you know what I mean? Like there are tracings right. that, that are all disjointed and weird. And clearly you're thinking too much about every line you trace. You yeah. don't worry about the connections. And so like, if you get good enough and comfortable enough doing that, it's much easier to transition to like, replicate those things on your own you know Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah and yeah i never have a problem with it but i definitely remember people people accusing other people of it yeah like (laughs) you didn't draw that yeah exactly i i have this vague memory of an art teacher accusing a kid of tracing something (laughs) in like elementary school or or middle school I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember any details, but I, I'm pretty sure that happened. That's wild. <laughs> really, just shamed him, right? Just like make this little boy feel like shit for ten minutes <laughs> for no reason. 
Have you ever considered teaching art? Um, I have, um, but I, but I've never like pulled the trigger on it. No. Um, I've done like art classes and stuff like that where, um, uh, I'll, you know, I'll be sitting there and be like, I think I could do this. You know, like I, I, I've never been one to want to stand in front of a crowd and, you know, hold court talk. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, um, even as a kid, like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty shy and introverted mostly. Um, I can turn it on when I need to. Um, it takes a lot to kind of get to that. Um, so I think just the thought of having to do that every day kind of like turned me off from the beginning. So that's probably why I haven't done it yet. But, you know, as I get older and I, you know, I'm kind of getting a little bit more like, you know, who gives a shit? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What they think, you know, I'm going to get up in front of people and I'm going to tell them, you know, what I do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there may come a day where, where I'm down to do that, but it hasn't happened yet. I always got excited, like, cause I, I moved around quite a bit when I was a kid and I always got excited when I ran into an art teacher in particular that was like not a hundred years old. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I remember my early elementary school. I, my art teacher, his name was Mr. Bickle. Mm. And later in life, I realized he was like a total badass. Yeah. You know, he was this dude who like ran marathons into his eighties. He was just a boss. Great artist too. Like, phenomenal artist but he was so dry as a teacher i just remember sitting there mind blown that i was having trouble staying awake in an art class <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i was so into art and i was so disappointed that i mean he's legitimately sounded like ben stein like <laughs> oh, no. full monotone Bueller. Bueller. Yeah, exactly yeah that was him I think you'd make a great art teacher. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I do <sighs> like I do like passing on the knowledge that I've acquired, what little it, there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think some of that not giving a fuck that comes with age, I think that's essential for yes, for being definitely. a good teacher. You have you have to definitely. be able to just like I'm here doing my thing if you're going to participate you're going to participate if not fuck off you know what i mean like you just you just have to do it yeah it's but i I definitely understand that like being turned off by the idea of having to turn that on every morning you know what i mean like yeah you gotta like i mean you you have to have two gears and get comfortable with both yeah and i mean especially as of late like i've started you know i i work remotely from home you know, in my nine to five job. So it's basically me at my house (laughs) all day long. Only, only person here is my dog. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so it's, it's very quiet, you know, it's chill. Um, that's living the life, man. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Like every now (laughs) and then I will get like that wild hair where I'm like, you know, I got to get the heck out of here and go do something. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, so, to think of like, you know, having to like go back into the office is all is like just that, it's just daunting. that is like daunting. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. oh man, what? <laughs> I would not want to have to do that right now. Yeah, yeah. 
I get that for sure. I think a lot of people experience that, like, as we opened back up after all the lockdowns and stuff, a lot of people yeah. were like, but my, I can do it from, I can stay mm-hmm. home and do this. Like, yeah. can I just keep doing I've definitely, that? I've definitely had to make the case a couple times to keep my, yeah. my cushy situation. Um, yeah. But uh, it's so far, it's it's been good, and yeah, I mean, my my entire job's from the computer anyway, from an internet sure. connection. Um, I'm a designer uh, by day as well, so just on my MacBook all day long. <laughs> yeah, that's. I I'm surprised that more that more industries didn't embrace that and keep it going. Honestly, and because it, yeah, I mean, how much? I mean, you'd think it would be significantly more cost effective to just close all those brick and mortar they'll stop paying rent stop paying utilities for these huge offices right. and just send everybody home you yeah. know what i mean i i think it's a lot harder for the uh the older generations of uh, than us to yeah. to actually embrace something like that like like our generation and younger i think would be like totally gung-ho yeah on board with that and it would work great yeah i can Um, see that i can see that really taking hold as like even more baby boomers retire and you know leave the workforce i think Mm -hmm. once like millennials are are running the show i think i could definitely see that happening a lot of those office buildings are just going to close down completely yeah yeah and we're going to realize that you know we should have just stayed on the ground spread out villages in the first place instead of building all those giant skyscrapers just for people to sit in and do work right yeah wasteful super wasteful yeah absolutely honestly this is not where i thought the conversation would end up but yeah me either but i'm liking it this is a lot of fun yeah yeah we were talking before if you're if you're cool switching gears here a little bit um we were talking before about bigfoot yeah. about Bigfoot stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I've been thinking a lot about like how did Bigfoot become the guy, right? In cryptozoology, right? And, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Like, why why do you think Bigfoot is Bigfoot? Like, how did it become the well, cryptid? I I think the timing of it was just on point. Um, you know, it was like the it started in the fifties, you know, like I'm, I'm talking about, you know, like the, the national American yeah. recognition of Bigfoot sure. kind of started in the fifties. Um, it started gaining momentum, like as like television and, you know, TV shows and stuff like that were like really getting big as well. Yeah. So I think, and I think, you know, you, you hear every single time, like, how'd you get into Bigfoot? Oh, I saw, you know, the legend of Boggy Creek or I saw, um, uh, the Patterson Gimlin film on sure. uh, the Leonard Nimoy movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, In Search Of is the name of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I think that sort of like pop culture sort of aspect of it has a lot to do with, you know, this this day and age, it's just kind of snowballed from there. And it's, yeah. inspi- well, it's inspired a lot of people, really. Like, For sure. Those, those TV shows are... The inspiration who you know that's brought the, the people into that space you know yeah. that are here now and that are doing like research and stuff like that so i don't know I, I think that's probably in my opinion what 
It was just a timing thing, really. It was just I, yeah, like, yeah. I, I feel like yeah, it, it was the time. It was like the perfect time for it. It, it kind of blew up because like. What year was Patterson Gimlin? It was seventies, wasn't it? Sixty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's like pretty much the era where celebrity became celebrity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was like that's when we really first started getting like movie stars, legitimate like, you know, that was like Paul Newman and all yeah. these guys that like sort of started Hollywood, like the yeah. the the what we think of as like classic. Hollywood but like Bigfoot kind of did the same thing he like got celebrity status you know what I mean mm-hmm. Bigfoot so, yeah, is, def- is the Paul Newman of cryptids <laughs> yes absolutely that's a t-shirt <clears throat> I'll do it um, don't tempt <laughs> you me should. don't yeah, tempt you, me with a good time you should that's interesting yeah, though yeah I think I think that's probably why it 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 snowballed that way like because i mean loch ness monster i feel like didn't really gain as much notoriety and while in the 60s and 70s it was i feel like probably mentioned in the same sentence as bigfoot every single time i can remember like the the books that i would get from the library that probably came out in the 60s or 70s or 80s They all were joint books with other cryptids. Usually, usually Bigfoot, usually the Yeti, and then usually the Loch Ness monster, all in you know one tome. Um. So yeah, I mean, it never took off the way Bigfoot did. But yeah, I don't feel like it it took off that way either. So, and I'm not 100 percent sure why. Maybe because maybe like the human aspect of it. Maybe it's just a little bit more interesting to think that there may be you know something very close to us that's not us you know i I think there's that 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 aspect to it as well um that i think attracts people yeah what do you think about that also also i think i think a big reason why bigfoot took off and nessie didn't is because here in america there was a part of the bigfoot appeal is that it could be in your backyard yeah you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it was like the local boy, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it was Bigfoot was a townie, mm-hmm. right? Like, but the Loch Ness monster was this like far away in this mysterious fog. Is this thing under the water? Ireland, right? across, yeah. 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 No, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's so, a lot uh, of same, too. same as the Yeti and probably why the Yeti kind of yeah. fell off. Cause the Yeti was like big, like yeah, in like the, 20s and 30s and yep. 40s um and then even, yeah, even the 50s yeah. yeah all the adventures like peter byrne and stuff like that r.i.p yep. he just passed away um yep. but yeah like that was big for a long time and then bigfoot came along and it was like oh we have we have a quote-unquote yeti here so we yeah. don't need to worry about that one out in the himalayas <laughs> yeah exactly we can just go to upstate washington and look for one right instead of going right. all the way to the himalayas yeah um, much cheaper than Nepal, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think the the human aspect of it is huge too. Like you mentioned, like people love people, right? Like we're <laughs> like, we do. We love yeah. People. <laughs> I mean, anthropocentrism. That's yeah. a word. Anthropocentrism. It's like a huge part of the human condition. It's like mm-hmm. we see we see 
faces and things that aren't there. We like we we identify with things that are a reflection of ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's the same reason the alien phenomenon jumped off. Like because when it stopped being floating discs and you got into actual like contactee stories and mm-hmm. people were describing these beings with two arms and two legs and hands and eyes and like you had like a human like visage to connect to it right right i think that i think that's what blew blew that all up too so it's probably pretty similar with the bigfoot stuff yeah like this is like us but it's not us you know and that is that is disturbing and interesting all at the same time and i think that that kind of just like hits the right chords in you where you're like okay i gotta i gotta look into this a little bit yeah see people talk about the uncanny valley yeah you know yeah Uh, but what people don't often discuss is that it also draws you in Mm -hmm. like it repels you on a biological (laughs) level yeah but like you can't help but be interested in in what you're seeing right right when you see like something robotic that's just almost a person you know what mm-hmm. i mean but you can just you can tell on a biological level like this is not a person i'm looking at yeah and yeah i think that that definitely appeals to people on like a level that we can't really understand you know no i i totally agree with that yeah what do you think about speaking of aliens what do you think about all this disclosure stuff that's been going on um, so yeah, I mean, I watched the, uh, the new hearing and everything. Um, I, uh, and let me, let me just say, like, I, I think it's really cool. Like, um, that this is kind of opening the door for some people who may not have felt validated before to like come forward and, you know, share their stories and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, but I think we're kind of getting away from at least for me maybe this is me being selfish like i i love the stories i love the weirdness i love the creatures i love the flying saucers you know like for me it's kind of getting away from that and it's it's become something totally different which is kind of funny because they totally relabeled it it's not a ufo anymore it's a uap so i kind of i've kind of like separated those honestly like um and the UAP stuff just doesn't as, as it's interesting, but it's just not as drawing for me. Um, sure. If that makes any sense, I, and, and maybe I maybe I sound weird, but like I I'm much more invested in hearing about you know the the people involved, their encounters, what they saw, you know, like deep diving into what that might mean, like on a, a greater level and stuff like that. And I just feel like it's yeah. it's totally like stripped like all the fun out of it (laughs) you know or for lack of a better word it's like it's i don't want to say boring but it's you know it's like it's 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 stripped away of like the soul of it i feel like yeah i mean honestly you're hitting on something big because the it's never going to be satisfying to to people like us that are that are into the stories that are into you know the classic ufology mystery because governmental processes purposefully strip 
the sociological out of everything. Yes. Yeah. They they it has to to function. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. It's you're never gonna hear. You're never gonna hear the the like the meat of the story. You get bullet points. Right. You get like this is confirmed. This is confirmed. This is confirmed. It's nobody's talking about how they feel. No. Nope. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's none of that. Yeah. Um and I I mean I think I it is it is pretty cool to like see it kind of like on a grand scale like that like coming yeah. like like it I feel like I mean I and I don't know anything about like the, you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff or anything like that, but um the one uh commander who was sitting on the far right who saw the Tic Tac guy. Yeah. Like yeah. that that took some balls to like sit there and you know tell his story like i feel yeah. like um yeah. fraber and, and yeah fraber yeah and he yeah. he didn't he didn't want to be there i could tell he no. didn't want to be there but you know he felt like it was kind of his duty to talk about it so yeah. I, I i admire that and i was i was impressed with him um and i could tell like from his testimony alone like most of the people kind of focused on him they were like this guy's legit. Like, yeah, he's not gonna bullshit us, you know. Like, yeah, he's uh, he's the real deal. And if you know, he's saying it's a matter of national security. Maybe we should listen to it. Sure. So, um, again, you know, stripping everything away and making it all about you know the national facts. security and the facts and stuff like that yeah. is a little disheartening. But I know we kind of got to start somewhere. I sure. guess. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think we're going to ever get to the bottom of like what's actually happening. Like there's yeah. no way, there's no way in this world that we're ever going to know. Like we're all going to our graves without knowing what, what is yeah. actually happening. Um, in my opinion, I, I don't think it, and even like the greater phenomenons, you know, like, I mean, like Bigfoot, I don't think we're ever sure. going to catch up with a Bigfoot. Yeah. Probably we're not, not. going to, you know, we're not going to, have aliens march out, you know, on the Senate floor. You know, that's ridiculous. Like, it's not going to happen. Honestly, I don't think we're ever going to really understand what is happening with, you know, the phenomena of UFOs and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. We'll probably all go to our graves not knowing. Yeah. I, I mean, I tend to fall on the side of sociological phenomenon you know anyway mm-hmm. and so i think it's like it's not a, an issue for me at least what i think about it is it, there isn't an answer there yeah. isn't a single answer you know what i mean it's like a, a deeply nuanced cultural phenomenon that yeah yeah there are a million different answers for a million different people you know no yeah um, I, I i totally see that and i to be honest with you um, I've kind of gotten to the point where, um, I, and I think when you start out like researching this kind of stuff, you're like, oh, I, one day we're going to figure out what this is. We're going to figure yeah. it out. And then as you get like deeper and deeper into it, you just realize it's just like a never ending rabbit hole of like, yeah. you know, <laughs> twists and turns. And, you know, um, it's, it's probably just, you're probably just never going to know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I I, the- at this point I've, I've kind of come to terms with that and I kind of don't care anymore. Like I yeah. just enjoying the ride, honestly, like I want to, yep. 
and I want to I want to get like weirder with it. Like I want to yeah. I want to figure I want to I want to hear all the stories. See, I I was gonna say I think the 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 next realization after realizing that the answer isn't coming is that you wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, that's where I'm at too personally. Like I I don't wa- I don't want an answer. I just want to hear what what everyone has experienced. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's it's about for me for me it's about the people involved. It's about yeah. you know the, the circumstances and you know the the deeper meanings and what you can glean from what happened. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. I I love that kind of stuff. I love doing those kind of you know the deep dive into into why it happened and stuff like that. Like I love yeah. that kind of stuff. Yep, same. I think um, it was a few months ago now, but. Um, Vuk from Tracing Owls, he did an episode on the Veggie Man, mm-hmm. right? But yep. the episode was not about Veggie Man; it was about the experiencer yeah. of Veggie Man, and like it was a completely different approach than most people take talking about these these experiences. And like that was so much more rewarding to like yeah, learn about the guy's yeah. past and like what reflections of his experiences were in the experience and like it's yeah i, I thought that yeah was I, awesome. I don't remember everything about that episode but i do remember thinking like wow like what what else are we missing yeah. by not by not you know going a little bit deeper what like what else are we missing by just telling rehashing the same encounter story over and over again and not looking at it from different perspectives yeah. And I and I think I mean I I love Vuk's um, podcast for just that reason because I feel like he goes that you know that extra layer or two deep and same yes. with with you guys with, at Campfire like you guys just you you jump into the deep end and yeah. you sink to the bottom <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in a good way <laughs> yeah I know exactly what you mean yeah I don't, but yeah. Vuk is great about that like he is he is. an an indispensable resource for me because I know I can always go to him for a perspective I haven't thought of yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. he's just, he's always thinking outside the box and considering, considering parts of the story that, that go right over my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. His show is awesome. That, that definitely, um, you know, taking it from, you know, Jennings Frederick's perspective um, and then talking about like what happened with him, like down the road and stuff like that. Like, you don't get that a lot in yeah. these encounters, especially these like random one-off alien encounters. You don't get that yeah. kind of deep dive. Um, so yeah, I mean that's and that honestly that's like a whole nother kind of crack for me. Like yeah, I love I love the stories, but then once you can like kind of research stuff and like go like deeper down the rabbit holes and figure out other stuff about and especially about the people involved, like that's just like that really gets me. I I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I'm glad I, people are starting to do that. Yeah, I mean, because to me, I see the phenomena as a reflection of the experiencer. It's like an interaction between the two, oh, yeah. right? Um, yeah the whole co-creation concept where you know the the experience is is created by the observer and the observed Mm -hmm. so i think people overlooking the the life of the experiencer the that that even that perspective there we have like decades of 
cryptozoological research where they're just like, okay, so tall in the woods, <laughs> add it to the list of Bigfoots. <laughs> like, yeah. And then they just walk away. Right. right? And I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad that people are, are going farther are taking it a step farther now for sure. Yeah. And I, I've definitely seen my own sort of evolution in that sort of way too, where like the podcast that I'm, li- I was listening to just like two years ago versus the podcast I'm listening to now are exactly follow that kind of like trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while I'll go back and like, Oh, I haven't listened to this in a year or two. Like, let me see what see what they're making now. And I'm like, oh, the, you're doing the same thing you were doing two years ago. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, and those those shows just aren't enough for me anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? I said I said it was crack before. It's it's crack. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. yeah, it's it's a drug. You, yeah. you get addicted to it, and you need more. <laughs> yep. It, yeah, it really is. I mean, to me, covering Mothman. Mm-hmm. And only talking about Mothman and not talking about the experiencers, to me, that's almost as big a sin as covering, like, as a true crime podcast, covering a serial killer and never talking about the victims. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, that's, that's they are part analogy. of the story. <laughs> like, they're, they're a huge part of the story. Not only out of respect for the victims, but, like, the victimology of a serial killer is a huge aspect of their psychology. You know what I mean? So that interaction between who the victim is and who the killer is, that's the whole fucking story. Right. Just like when someone sees Mothman, aspects of the Mothman and aspects of the experiencer, that's what makes the story, the interaction between those two things. Yeah, definitely. I also, I also think that like the, um, the podcasts, the, at least the interview podcasts that are doing it right, are the ones that ask the, you know, the experiencer, you know, what was going on in your life at this time? Like, what, yeah. what was happening to you, where you think that maybe, you know, why this happened to you? You know, like, I mean, yeah, there, and then I, and I always feel like they say, you know, like, oh, you know, I was, uh, I was going through a divorce at that time, or you know, I yeah. was in a deep depression, and I was just. I needed to go for a walk in the woods, you know, like, yep. I mean that it all, and it always comes back to that. And then, and it's like a light bulb for them. Like, Oh, well maybe, you know, yeah, maybe, you know, that's maybe, connected. <laughs> maybe it's connected. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. You got to have that. And like, if you interview someone who has had an experience for an hour and you never ask, how did you feel? Right. <laughs> and I've heard so many so many interviews with experiencers where they'll talk for an hour and they never once ask how did that make you feel or how did you feel in that moment like the word Mm -hmm. the concept of their emotions during this never come up for an hour and I'm like what why are you even here Mm -hmm. like man that's just such an essential piece that kind of brings it right back to like what we were talking about with the, the UAP hearings and everything no, that's, I, th- I think you're exactly right. That like, that's missing from the UAP hearings, right? They don't ask. Yeah. They don't ask how, how people feel. There, there's no feelings. And it's just like watching a two hour interview where they never ask the experience or how they feel. That's boring. 
<laughs> so another another uh, thing I was thinking about with with that is um, maybe you know this sort of other people coming to this and opening their eyes to what's up in the sky will bring people around to these weirder stories that we're all that we're all really into. Yeah. So it'll sort of bring on this next generation, hopefully. Yeah. You know, hopefully they won't all, you know, get, you know, bogged down with the nuts and bolts and, yeah. Um, military industrial complex, <laughs> you know, BS sure. that's going on. Like hopefully they're, they'll look deeper into this kind of stuff and they'll, they'll come across these weird stories and, you know, become inspired. Yeah. So I mean, I, that's that's my hope for it. I hope I hope it'll it'll just you know broaden the um, great weirdening that you know is is happening in the world right now. Yeah, exactly. I think on that hopeful note, we'll wrap things up. So before we go, tell the people where to find you, where to follow you, and anything cool you have coming up that you'd like them to check out. Um. Well, the the next event that I have coming up. Um, is going to be Cryptid Bash. That's in Hicko, West Virginia um, at the Free Folk Brewery. Um, and that'll be August the 19th. Um, it's always a really good event. There'll be a ton, ton of vendors and uh, speakers and bands and stuff like that and food. They're going to have food and, and beer this year. It's a great event. I'll be there vending. Um, and if you want to check out my work, um, find me on instagram uh jonathan dodd underscore draws excellent that's it and we'll have uh links for all that in the show notes as usual dude thank you so much for doing this yeah man this is a lot of fun it's, it's always fun to sit down with you and shoot the shit Absolutely. i appreciate you having me thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird possibly alien maybe ghostly probably cryptid hearts for listening We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.